Good morning, my name is Pastor Danny Deeth and I welcome you to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. It is summer in Columbus, Georgia and we are doing some things in new and different ways and we encourage you to hold true for your faith as well. Let's seek God in some new and different ways. We can do this together. We're glad you're here, come on in. The first reading is from 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 13. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see, we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affections, but only in yours. In return, I speak as to children. Open wide your hearts also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our text this morning, the Philistines have assembled their troops for battle in the Valley of Elah, near the town of Soho. The Israelites under King Saul are camped on one ridge. The Philistines are camped on an adjacent ridge. And the decision has been made for the armies to meet in single combat, symbolically, there in the valley in the middle. The catch is, as Aaron demonstrated for us this morning, is that Goliath is nine feet tall. His bronze helmet and his armor tip the scales at 125 pounds. I'm going to read selected verses now. He stopped and shouted to the Israelite troops, Why have you come and taken up battle formations? I am the Philistine champion. You are Saul's servants. Select one of your men. Let him come down against me. If he's able to fight and kill me, then we will become your slaves. But if I overcome him and kill him, then you will all become our slaves and you will serve us. 
When Saul and all Israel heard what the Philistines said, they were distressed and terrified. Now, David had come to bring provisions to his older brothers who were fighting for Saul. He overheard what Goliath said and made his, presence, made his way into the presence of Saul. He says, Don't let anyone lose courage because of this Philistine. I, your servant, will go out and fight him. You can't go out and fight this Philistine, Saul answered David. You're still a boy. But he's been a warrior since he was a boy. Your servant has kept his father's sheep, David replied to Saul. And if ever a lion or a bear came and carried off one of the flock, I would go after it, strike it, and rescue the animal from its mouth. The Lord, David added, who rescued me from the power of both lions and bears, will rescue me from the power of the Philistine. Go, Saul replied, and may the Lord be with you. And then Saul dressed David in his own gear, putting a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. But he couldn't walk in it. I can't walk in this, David told Saul. So he took them off. He then grabbed his staff and chose five smooth stones from the stream bed. He put them in the pocket of his shepherd's bag and with sling in hand went out to meet this Philistine. When the Philistine looked David over, he sneered at David because he was just a boy. The Philistine asked David, am I some sort of dog that you come at me with sticks? And he cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said to David, and I'll feed your flesh to the wild birds and the wild animals. But David told the Philistine, you are coming against me with sword, spear, and scimitar, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of heavenly hosts, the God of Israel's army, the one you've insulted. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. I will strike you down. Today, I will feed your dead body and the dead bodies of the entire Philistine camp to the wild birds and the wild animals. Then the whole world will know that there is a God on Israel's side. And all of those gathered here will know that the Lord doesn't save by means of sword and spear. The Lord owns this war, and he will hand you over to us. The Philistine got up and moved closer to attack David, and David ran quickly to the front line to face him. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. He slung it, and it hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What made David king material? It, it wasn't his birthright or his appearance. Samuel didn't use magic anointing oil to give David super king powers. What made David kingly is revealed in his statement of faith to Goliath. You come at me with sword and spear and scimitar, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of heavenly hosts, 
heavenly forces, the God of Israel's army. What made David king material was not something that was uniquely David's, but something that was available to every Israelite and to all of us. The belief that he stood with God and that God stood with him. Now, those of you who have read ahead know that later parts of David's story get kind of ugly. But that happens when he fails to remember to stand with God. The truth of his confession of faith can still help us understand how to be better people of faith and better fathers on this Father's Day. It's hard to read this story and not feel like it was written for our time as well. You only need to listen to or watch the news or read the paper to know that we are beset by violence, by enemies we feel we cannot defeat. Our temptation is to run away, as we saw in Monty Python the other night, or to arm ourselves with weapons that we can see. The same thing that Saul did for little David. So why is this story in the Bible? What, What does it have to offer to us, especially on this stormy day? Father's Day, like Mother's Day, is a meaning-laden day, a day fraught with memory, pain, hope, and love, especially this year when we have been apart from each other so much, when we've been isolated and we've suffered loss, there's a lot more emotion than normal associated from this associated with this day i think we can learn from all of david's fathers he had three father figures jesse samuel and saul those three people can teach us something about fatherhood and about being faithful christians We are all a little like Jesse. None of us can imagine the greatness that God holds in store for every child, all of these precious children and the children of this whole community. Jesse thought that strength lay in size, but Samuel reminded Jesse that God does not see as we see. God sees the heart. But Jesse also gave David responsibility, responsibility that would end up equipping him with the confidence to face Goliath. Jesse gave David the the opportunity to succeed and the opportunity to fail. Those of you who are parents in this room Strive to equip your own children with 
what they need to succeed. And we all do that, parents or not. Whenever we show by example how to love and sacrifice and be honorable and gentle and faithful. We teach our children that asking questions, even questions of faith, that's blessed by God. And we teach them that they are not diminished in any way when they are generous. All children need this affirmation, not just the ones that look and act and speak like us. Who knows? what the children of this congregation, the children of the world, will uncover, what lessons they will teach us, what poems they will write, what cures they will discover. God sees on the heart. Teach us to see as you see. Second, we're a little like Samuel. Samuel feared to anoint David because Samuel was afraid Saul was going to kill him. But God does ask us to do hard things. God doesn't need us to do easy things. That's like dessert, or in my case, a second dessert. (laughs) Samuel had argued for a king, got a king, found out he was a bad king, ordered to anoint another king, which could easily have gotten him killed by aforementioned bad king. But Samuel was also God's voice for Israel and for David. He listened to God, even when he thought he already knew what God wanted. He was willing to change his mind, to learn. Teaching our children to be obedient to God's Spirit means teaching them how to change their minds. And the way they learn that is by seeing us change our minds. God, help us to show our children how to be faithful and courageous and honorable, how to do hard things. Finally, we're a little bit like Saul. Saul brought David into his own household until Saul's growing mental illness made an enemy of his greatest warrior and his son Jonathan's best friend. Saul was a big, boastful man who accidentally accomplished some great things for Israel, leading the fractious tribes against the Ammonites and the Amalekites. His decline and his descent into madness is one of the most tragic stories in the Bible. We interrupt this sermon for a PSA. Mental health is health. Mental illness is illness. We see every evidence in Scripture that Saul was in some way mentally ill. He needed more help than David playing the liar could provide. No offense to music ministry. I'm thankful First Presbyterian takes mental health seriously as evidenced by your commitment to the Pastoral Institute, 706-649-6500. And now, back to our regular programming. What can we learn about fatherhood and faithful living from Saul? 
The faith community is crucial to faithful living. As brave as Saul was, as strong as he was, he ignored advice from Samuel, from David, from his own son. We need each other to help us be faithful to God. Saul's flaw, his fatal flaw, was his attempt to be king by himself, as if Israel depended on him alone. You remember Simba singing in The Lion King? I just can't wait to be king. No one's saying, do this. No one's saying, be there. No one's saying, stop that. No one's saying, see here. Free to run around all day. Free to do it all my way. Flying solo is bad politics, worse theology, and it is terrible parenting. If we will hear... Judaism teaches us that we are responsible one for the other and that while individual faith is important, corporate faith, the community of faith, is essential. If we will hear, Christianity teaches us that the kingdom of God is both within and among us. We need each other in order to be faithful. The sacrament of baptism represents the individual's choice to be God's person and God's choice of the individual. And the sacrament of baptism is never a solo event. It's never private. It's always celebrated within the worship of the community of faith. The congregation, your participation reminds the parents of the child or the newly baptized person, that they are all part of this covenant community, bound together in the same purpose, saved by the same God. We are part of God's family, God's house. Towards the end of The Lion King, the spirit of Mufasa encourages Simba and says to him, Remember who you are in the voice of James Earl Jones. Simba finally learns that he is not a king who gets to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, but a king who has a responsibility to his people who have a responsibility to him. And together, they restore a kingdom stolen from them. Dr. Charles Wiley of the Presbyterian Mission Agency says that baptism enacts the enveloping love of God, the God who comes to us in Jesus Christ, who comes to us in the power of the Holy Spirit, a love that will not let us go. Fathers, you are not alone. You are surrounded by a great community of faith who long to support you in the fearsome task of raising up children to be God's people. Christians, we are not alone. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, both here and on the other shore, who encourage and challenge and love us. 
We are baptized Christians, united by God's Spirit to one another and to the living God who walks beside and ahead of us into a world that can be terrifying, but which does not define us. We are not alone. We live in God's world. God has made us and claims us. Whom shall we fear? Amen.